Good evening, brothers and sisters. It is a joy once again to be with you this morning. I gave you one connection that I already have uh, with your congregation. Now let me give you the next connection. Uh, it is my joy and privilege to be not only with you as a congregation, but to be particularly with the Agudelos. I had the privilege of having them and the Huntersville Church for six years. And it was such a joy to be their pastor. And I'm so thrilled they are here with you all. You are blessed by this family. So thank you. Thank you for this privilege that I get to have with them and with you. But the greater privilege is not only that we get to spend time with one another, but that we get to spend time with one another in God's Word. So take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John this evening. John chapter 14 particularly. John chapter 14 you, you know something of this great chapter, and it's, a, and it's, it's an amazing chapter. It's that famous chapter where we have that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, the exchange with Jesus and Thomas. Uh, we, we, we know this to be a part of the, uh, the upper room discourse on the night in which Jesus was betrayed. We, we see this in this passage, these wonderful words of our Lord Jesus Christ that point to us the truth of the Holy Trinity, that God is Father, He is Son, and He is, spending, he is going to send His Spirit. It's a glorious chapter. I want us to tonight mainly focus on but one verse, and that's verse uh, I believe it's verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But let's put that in the entirety of the context of chapter 14. So give your attention to the reading of God's holy word. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, and I'm partial to the King James here, are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How, how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. But Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you... I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments." And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I come to you. Yet a little while and the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you and me and I and you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now Judas, not a scarlet, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And whoever does not love me doesn't keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do, as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Verse 8, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. I am under no pretense, brothers and sisters, that living a few months in a particular country makes one an expert about that country and all things pertaining to it. Far from it, the, the, the more time I have spent in the country of Rwanda, it just has made me realize all that I don't know and that I want to learn more of. Nevertheless, the time I have spent there in that beautiful country over the past couple of years now has made me more and more and more aware of that which was for us in the West, if you were, if you were living in the 90s, if you were familiar and remember 94, what for us in the West was just a sad passing story. Okay, some bad things are going on in this little country over here on this continent that I don't know a whole lot about, and then it was done. Inspired through the decades before that fateful 1994. Much transpired before then that prepared and paved the way for those 100 days of terror. There had been colonial favoritism down through the decades. There had been tribal racial tensions. There had been dehumanizing propaganda. There had been a a radio station taken over by the government that was then pouring out propaganda and hates speech uh, on the air day after day after day. There had been European meddling in the affairs of this country. There had been political and economic disparities. There had been trial runs of the genocide. Let's, let's try it out in a particular city and see if anybody will notice. 
But then came that fateful, mysterious downing of an airplane. To this day, it's not known officially who shot the plane down. But the plane crashed, and in that plane... Uh, There was the president, the then president of Rwanda and the president of Burundi. And when that plane crashed, killing those men as well as the crew, that was the signal to the radio station to then send out a secret signal by radio waves that alerted young French-trained Hutus, death squads, wielding those machetes to commence. And commence they did, as I mentioned this morning. And in the space of those 100 days, they brutally murdered one-tenth of their population. Now, I've recounted that story, I, 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 I'm not sure how many times now. And yet, if I pause when I tell that story, I'm still horrified at the sheer evil of those days. Think about it with me. Days before the downing of that plane, young Hutu children and young Tutsi children played together. Don't think of these being two tribes that live in separate areas of country. They were intermingled, still are. Young young Hutus and, and Tutsis played together in the streets. Neighbors had chatted across their, their walls or across their street. They had gone to together. They'd sat on the same pews or chairs beside one another. And then in savage, and there's really no other word to use, demonic fury, neighbors turned on neighbors. Fleeing neighbors, knocking on the door, were not answered and the doors were locked. Fleeing Tutsis, rushing to a church or multiple churches, where priests opened up the doors and and, and let them in, only then to shut the doors and lock them on the outside for the genociders to come with either machetes or even bulldozers. Bloodthirsty. Demonic. And on my first trip to Rwanda, I did go to the genocide memorial. I watched the films. I read all the displays. I walked quietly beside the mass graves, and I wept. Not as a Rwandan, I wept on the outside. And I'm glad that there, while I was there at the Genocide Memorial, there's a group of young people, and they all had these t-shirts on, and on these t-shirts it said, never again. They're part of a national group of young people that say, never again, may this never happen again. And I'm amazed by the efforts of the Rwandan government at seeking to bring reconciliation. And yet the after effects are still very, very tangible. It it, it dawned on me and it it was expressed to me. It said, now Lee, when you're here in Rwanda, when you see somebody who's 30 years old or older, they went through it. They went through the genocide. And you see people with crutches or you see people in wheelchairs. And you knew what had happened. And so many untold numbers of Hutus still live with their guilt. Why did I not open my door? Untold numbers of Tutsis still live with their losses and their griefs. On that first trip, we had the 
privilege of meeting with a fairly famous Rwandan bishop in the Anglican Church. His name's Bishop John. Dear man. He met with Alex Pettit, the executive director for World Witness, and Sam Cotton and myself. And he said, brothers, please come. Help train our pastors. He said, but, but the trainers that you send to us, make sure they know this. They will be training pastors who have both Hutus and Tutsis in their congregation, sitting beside one another. Make sure your trainers know that, that the Hutus, so many of them, will be dealing with, with guilt. And the Tutsis, so many of them, will be dealing with at least grief. He said, but make sure your trainers know that the answer to both the guilt and the grief is the same thing. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So send trainers to train our pastors to know the gospel, to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to live the gospel, and you will help us. Among all the horrors of the genocide, the one that continues to strike me is how that genocide made thousands of orphans, turned thousands of children into orphans. Imagine such orphans with me, brothers and sisters, this evening. One, one writer has been particularly helpful for me in trying to understand uh, the, the orphan's life. This, this writer says, she said, think about their plight, think about their condition, think about their, their questions. Here, here are the questions that, that orphans have, whether they verbalize them or not. What will I do now? Where do I go? What happens next? Who will love? Who will nurture? Who will, who will guide me? Who stands at my side? Who can I trust? What will become of me? Those are the questions of orphans. Consider their plight. Orphans have to take care of themselves. Orphans have to be strong, and they must get strong really quickly. Orphans must protect themselves from being taken advantage of. Orphans can't depend on anyone. Orphans can't be weak. Orphans crave to be taken in and loved, but they doubt that they ever will be. Orphans want to be accepted. They want to belong, but they are scared. Orphans only trust themselves. Orphans cannot get too close because if you get close to somebody, what's going to happen next? Orphans are on the outside looking in. Always on the outside looking in. And if that's the case, and I think it is, is it it any wonder, brothers and sisters, that our God, our glorious God, calls His people from beginning of Bible to end of Bible, from the book of Deuteronomy to the prophet Isaiah to the book of James, He calls His people to care for orphans. Hear the words of Isaiah, learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless. From the Old Testament to the book of James, we hear the words of James who says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction 
and to keep oneself unstained from the world. From Deuteronomy to James, God tells us of His concern for literal, real orphans. And He calls us in some form or fashion to protect and minister to them. In one sense, brothers and sisters, I think it's a non-negotiable of Christian piety to care in some form or fashion for orphans. It's not like, okay, maybe. No. Yet how often do we ignore their questions? How often do we turn a blind eye to their, their plight? How often do we ignore orphans? I wonder about that. Why is it so often the case? Maybe it's not with you. I, I, I pray the Lord it's not. But why is it so often the case? Is it because we just don't necessarily see many orphans around us? We are blessed to live in the century. We're blessed to live in the places that we find ourselves. We, we, we don't live after World War I. We don't live directly after World War II. We don't live in, in other countries that have faced uh, such calamities. Is it because we just don't see them out of sight, out of mind? Is, is it because we just aren't comfortable thinking about their plight? I mean, to think about the life of, a, of an orphan, it, it hurts. So I'd rather not hurt, so let me just not think about it. I don't know. You'll need to answer that for yourself. But let me ask you, the words of Jesus that He speaks here, the words that He speaks to His disciples in that upper room and, and now through the pages of Holy Scripture, he, he speaks it to us and speaks it to us tonight. How do these words sound to you personally? How do they sound to you right here, right now? I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How do those words sound to you? I won't leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you and the person sitting beside you as an orphan, I will come to you. One pastor has wisely said, you know, at some point we all want or we'll all need to hear these words because they speak directly to some of our greatest fears and our greatest challenges as fallen human beings. And those greatest fears and challenges are the fears of being abandoned, the fears of being isolated, of being lonely, of being vulnerable. They remind us that we are not destined to walk this earth without an identity or direction. We don't stand alone. The author continues to be sure there are seasons of life. There are moments when transitions and changes and tragedies can leave us feeling as orphans. And when those happen, we too can have those orphan questions, whether we verbalize them or not. And the questions are, what will I do now? 
Where do I go? What happens next? Who will love, nurture, and guide me? Who stands at my side? Is, will there be anyone who stands at my side? Who can I trust? What will become of me? Were those the questions that were running through the minds of the disciples in that upper room long ago? The supper was over. Judas the betrayer had left. And now Jesus is telling his disciples he was going to leave. He was leaving them. Can you imagine their thoughts? The one that they had loved and they had left everything for, he says he's now leaving. It puts a little bit of a different spin on the words of Thomas, doesn't it? Thomas said, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, I've read that before, and I've read it as Thomas being flippant. <laughs> you know, we don't know where you go, so how, how can we know, possibly know the way? Maybe it's more of a, a, a question of an orphan. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? How about Philip? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. Those sound like the questions and the concerns and the appeals of those who are feeling like orphans. Let me ask you, and I suspect I know the answer, have you ever loved someone and you've lost them? You've lost them to disease. You've lost them to divorce. You've lost them to a move across country and you just don't see them anymore. You've lost them maybe in the modern way. They just ghost you. They're gone. And it's, you, 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 you thought you had loved them and they, that they had loved you. What will I do now? Where do I go? What happens next? Who will love? Who will nurture? Who will guide me? Who stands at my side? Who can I trust? What will become of me? You see why, Paul, why, why James puts orphans and widows together? We fear becoming what? Abandoned. Isolated. In a sense, we fear becoming orphaned. And one minister, again, he says rightly, that fear points to the deeper reality that by ourselves we are not enough, despite what the meme says. Don't you hate that meme? You're enough. No, you're not. No, we're not. We're not enough. We're never intended to be, and we're never created to be just self-sufficient. Sorry, Americans. We're never intended to stand alone as individuals. We were created to love and be loved. We were created to live in relationship as persons giving ourselves to one another. To dwell and to abide and to remain within each other even as the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father. The antithesis of being orphaned. And what did Jesus say to people like the disciples and people like you and I? I will not Leave you as orphans. Dear ones, that's a promise. 
That's a promise from your Lord and Savior. I will not leave you as orphans. To not be orphaned means that you aren't alone. The Father and, and, and the Son, Jesus, have given you the Spirit. The Spirit indwells you, Christian. You're not alone. You never will be. The Spirit is always with you. To not be orphaned means that you aren't abandoned. Never to see your loved one again. You will see him again. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. To not be orphaned, what does that mean? It means you've got a family. It means you've got a home. And it means that you should live like a child. You've got a family. You've got a home. And you've got the holy responsibility to live like a child. You've got a family. What does verse 16 say? I, the Son, will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. You have a family, Christian. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have a family. And you've got not only the triune God, you've got all those who are united to Jesus Christ. Because you see, all the pronouns, all the you pronouns here, they're plural. He's not with with you just as an individual. He is with us. He's with believers. The invisible church made up of all the elect. To not be orphan means you've got a family. A glorious, divine, huge family spread across all the time and spread across all the world. And like I said this morning, that's going to be a great family reunion and we'll all have the wonderful t-shirt. You've got a family. To not be orphaned also means you've got a home. That's why I went back to the beginning of the chapter and read those verses too. What does Jesus say in verses 2 and 3? In my Father's house are many moon, mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again I'll take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You got a home, you're going to have a place. There was a teacher once who was concerned about the living conditions of one of her children, one of her students. You see, the boy in her, one of her classes was temporarily living with his parents and his sister in a camping trailer. And, and, and she said, Mrs. Jones said to, to the little student, Johnny, Johnny, I'm so sorry that y'all don't have a home. Johnny, with a beautiful smile, responded to her, Oh, Miss Jones, we have a home. We, just have, we don't have a place to put it yet. We've got a home because we've got a family. And Christ is preparing a place to put it. You have a home. You have a family. To not be orphan means that you also should live like a child. Stop living as orphans. To live as a child means that you should believe, obey, and not fear. Listen to the words of Jesus in this chapter. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home with him. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be, what? Afraid. Child believes. His parents. Her parents. 
don't you, children? When, you're, when your parents love on you like they do, you believe what they say. A child obeys, don't you, children? Most of the time. If, if, if your parents are telling you to do this chore or that chore, okay, I am supposed to obey. And a child doesn't fear. Why? Mom and dad, or dad or mom, they've got you. Is your faith deepening? Is it growing? Is it stagnant? Are you coasting? How is your belief? In what way, right now, do you know that you aren't, you, you aren't actually obeying your Lord and Savior? There's a part of your life you just, you know. You know what it is. What worries you? What makes you anxious? What makes you fearful? Be honest with yourself. When we first moved to North Carolina, we lived basically right across from Cottle Creek ARP Church, old church pastored then by the dear Jamie Hunt. And if you've ever met Jamie Hunt, he's just a wonderful man. And during our brief stint by Cottle Creek, uh, I would notice when all the teenagers would gather there in the parking lot to get on the church van to go to a retreat or to a conference, that Jamie would be there to send them off. And he wouldn't lecture them. He wouldn't give them a long sermon. He basically would just tell them this. Remember whose you are. And he would pray, and off they go. Remember whose you are. Child of God, remember who you belong to. Remember where you're going. Remember how you're called to live. And remember that Jesus has made this promise to you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Regardless of the circumstances of your life, regardless of the storms that have come or will come, regardless of death, regardless of separations, you will never be orphaned by God, child of God. And that's God's word to you tonight. Tonight. In God's sovereign providence and His holy will and His eternal plan, His plan was for you to be here and for me to be here and for us to open this passage and for you to hear this. This is His promise to you. This promise doesn't belong to those outside of the body of Christ. This belongs to you. Will you dwell on it? Will you meditate upon it? Will you give thanks to the Lord for it? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you in you, with you, forever, no longer orphans. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, thank You for the sweet, sweet, sweet Word to us tonight. In our loss, in our feelings of abandonment, in our loneliness, draw our hearts and minds back to this simple, rich, deep promise that You never leave us or forsake us. We aren't orphans. We are the children of God. If our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit indwells our heart and He is with us and You are with us forevermore. I ask, Lord, that You would impress this promise deeply upon all the souls who are gathered here. And if there is one who does not know of the Lord Jesus Christ and has these legitimate fears, Bring them by the power of this self-same Spirit. Bring them to faith in Jesus that this promise will be theirs as well. For we ask this.